Hello and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today we're going to be discussing the trouble with transporters. I'm Victoria and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we and our guest crew examine some of the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10 a.m. PST on Clubhouse. At the top of the room, we've pinned our Star Trek Sundays website, StarTrekSundays.com. There you'll find links to our published podcasts, my captain's log and guest blogs, links to our upcoming watch lists, and our Star Trek Sundays trading post, which T will talk about in a minute. The Star Trek Sundays podcast is available one week after the live show on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and from anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our channels. It does help us reach others who might enjoy the show. We'll take 20 minutes per episode to ask the questions that were prompted from each of them, then take a look at what's upcoming for Star Trek Sundays in the next few weeks, and then continue the conversation after the 90-minute mark into the post-podcast popcorn section, and we'll bring up speakers to the stage to discuss the shows after I put a few questions to tea. Thank you again, T, for curating this week's watch list. The watch party on Discord yesterday was super interesting, especially given that there were a few matters on which our crew did not agree. So this morning could turn out eventful. And thank you, Steve, for providing the watch party for us, that you make yourself available for troubleshooting an hour before the watch party for those who need help getting on Discord is really incredible. And we all appreciate it. So just shout out to you. Before we get to the questions, though, T, I understand you have a bit of an announcement to make. I do. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, Victoria and I have been hard at work and we are incredibly excited to announce our new website and our new merchandise line at Star Trek Sundays podcast.com. We've got some incredible original Star Trek themed items, which we think you're going to love. Clothe yourself in the sign of LaForge, Quark Twitter verified trusted businessman, unlimited data, Duras his honor absent. The best part of waking up is drinking from a beaker as a cup. Obama-style Spock, I feel fine, and many other inside jokes only a Trekkie could appreciate. We also have a limited edition Women of Star Trek series to highlight the incredible women of Star Trek that have graced the series throughout the years. For our podcast listeners, you can use the code WARP10, that's W-A-R-P-1-0, to take 10% off your entire cart. So head on over to Star Trek Sundays podcast.com to stock up now. Be sure to use code warp10 to get your 10% off your order and look out for more coupons on our website. If you sign up for the newsletter in the pop-up. Thanks T that, I mean, oh, I'm so excited about this. I, I know you and I have our carts filled and I, I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to take some stuff out of my cart and, or I'm going to have to find some new friends so I can, I can give away all this stuff. So Thankfully, my husband has agreed to to wear some Star Trek t-shirts at the gym, so we know we're making progress. So thank you very much. Well, let's let's get on with the show. T, please tell us what inspired the title of the room and topic and how you chose this watch list. Definitely. Um, 
The topic of Trouble with Transporters is a play on the Trouble with Tribbles title from the original series, except with the eponymous transporters that the series is so well known for. They are a marvelous labor and time-saving device, and, every, and everything would absolutely change if we had them. Yet it isn't always easy street on the engineering decks when it comes time to beam down. Sometimes they can malfunction, otherwise operate in unexpected ways, and when they do, very unexpected results can occur. So let's get ready to ask some hard questions about what might happen if we're faced with these challenging situations. Stick our toes in the water and hope that they're still attached to our feet on the other side as we explore the trouble with transporters. I love that. Yeah. Uh, let, let's hope they're still attached. Who knows? Thank you very much. So um, this is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse, and we're discussing the trouble with transporters. T, let's start with Tuvix. Oh, my God. Can you provide a summary of this episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what it was about? And then I've got some questions. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Tuvix. Tuvix. Voyager. Season 2, Episode 24. First aired on the 6th of May, 1996. Can't believe it was that long ago. So, in this episode, Neelix and Tuvok get transported aboard after an away mission and are joined with a third species, an indigenous orchid, to form a third person, Tuvix, complete with all the memories and emotions of both people. I chose this episode because it represents, in my mind, one of the most startling examples of the problem of identity when it comes to these types of situations, challenging us to question what it means to be a unique individual and what rights they should be afforded. Thank you. Um, okay, so you talked about this one for months and I knew I'd like it, but I was not prepared for the real feels I got from it. Like it was deep. I, I get it now and um, you know, there were some parts of it that I thought was sort of a hard watch. So I, I just want to take a moment to point out how incredible the actor Tom Wright, who played Tuvix, was at showing elements of both Tuvok and Neelix. There were some times when he was walking that he looked just like Neelix. And then other times when he stood up, it, it, but it was so subtle. It wasn't like he was a caricature of him. So I, I just, that blew me away. And, uh, and I just wanted to say this, um, which uh, when I was reading about the character on Wiki, this line came out and it said that the episode was substantially rewritten from its original iteration as a lighthearted story to a more somber tale with serious moral and ethical implications. So that it's funny to me that they thought, oh, wouldn't this be funny? And then they realized in the writing room, hey, we could make something really special from this. So, so that was, that was really interesting to me. Um, and it was those ethical implications that prompted me to bring up the topic with my husband later last night after the watch party. And, uh, and we spent a lot of time discussing identity because of that. I'll, t I'll tell you what he and I think a bit later. In this episode, Janeway acts unilaterally to murder Tuvix in the name of saving Tuvok and Neelix. Do you think she made the right choice? Do all lives matter or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? What a tough question. I mean, oh my God. Um, oh. 
do Tuvik's lives matter? I think that's a that's a, a a terrible question to ask. But then, I think we I think we touched in this initially about hard questions and Q. I don't think that Janeway made the right decision. I think that there should have been more deliberation, at the very least, as a leader who is operating, you know basically outside of the chain of, of command here because we're stuck in the Delta Quadrant. She could have held a tribunal. She could have, um, you know, gotten some committee together to discuss the matter. I think his, his, um, his, his pleas fell on death, on deaf ears. And that was disappointing. If I was a crew member aboard the bridge, when that scene where Tuvix was pleading for his life. He was saying, "My, my, you're, you're my friends, my crewmates." They remained silent, and I would not have. I would have spoken up, and I said, "I would have said, can't there be more procedure? Can't we deliberate about this without you just making a unilateral decision? Right? Um, can't there be some vote involved? Can't his?" opinion be weighed in some way that matters more than you know than this it was it was a terrible episode to me because it tore me apart as as a person i tried to imagine growing fond of this person and then having to to kill to kill him and then i'm i'm not sure that i would have i think janeway acted unilaterally outside of her power and set a bad example of leadership in doing so. Thank you for that. Um, I agree uh, with you on this. I found it really upsetting. I, I just want to say, as I said, I'm definitely on the side of Tuvix. And I know there are those who support Captain Janeway's decision, Sean. <laughs> for those who have already shared that they think that she made the right choice. The question to you is, do all lives matter? And, or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? But I, I wanna flip this a little and, and maybe T, you can answer this second part of the question and then we can put the whole thing to the crew. If the cure for the accident was found two years later, now, the obviously for you, this part isn't true. Would you still agree with Janeway? How long would Tuvix have to be Tuvix before you changed your mind? And so this is the question for you, T, is when is Tuvix a person? So do you know when you decided that Tuvix was this person? Yeah, that's the question that Janeway asked is, when did he become an individual instead of just a transporter accident? And I think that he became an individual the minute that he, you know, got transported aboard. It was demonstrated that he could speak up for his own rights. And to, to set an arbitrary date is just that. It's my preference. And for me to decide that, you know, for him, how long it is that you get to live before, as a person who is able to sit here and demand your own rights, um, to, to set some date on that seems, seems absurd. I would say that, you know, if he was alive for two weeks or if he was alive for two years, 
it would make no difference in my mind um, because he would be uh, so assuming assumingly in two years he would equally want to remain alive i think that the transporter team could have searched for a better option here i, I think that a third option of i don't know maybe you know tuvok neelix and tuvix coexisting would have been a a better option and maybe in two years that could have become an option through advancements in their understanding of the transporter technology right right it's complex and and we've got some some chat going on too so it, it is the people on stage uh who are chatting so we will get to everybody um thank you t i, I knew that this was going to be hot 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 so ryan we'll go to you first uh, I, I won't be uh, I won't be so inflammatory. In this episode, Janeway acts unilaterally to separate Tuvix in the name of saving Tuvok and Neelix. Do you think she made the right choice? Do all lives matter, or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? I have very strong feelings about this episode. What is the what is the captain's oath what is the captain's uh when they get sworn in what, what do they recite space the final frontier right to boldly go and seek out new life and new civilization Jane Way accidentally made new life and that new life self-aware conscious able to make its own decisions, said, I want to live. And she unilaterally decided to murder that being more or less for nostalgia's sake. Her way of existing was disrupted. And uh, it was more convenient to murder than to live with uh, these changes. And the fact that, that she had already made a decision to, to do something awful and unethical opens up a whole lot of other possibilities. Cloning is frowned upon by the Federation and illegal, but so is murder. So there, there are technically, there are just other solutions where that that body could have been duplicated or cloned and then they could have separated either the clone or the original but again you're you're making a bad decision after an act of uh of chance and uh i i think it would have been not just bold uh but right to integrate tu uh, Tuvix into the family, to accept these changes. And if you can't accept those changes, make a clone and separate that. Um, and, and the fact that Riker, which you're gonna bring up later on, also had an accident, and that other people in the Federation have had accidents where multiplicity of an individual happens, to me says that there are just so many technical solutions that a creative engineer that Scotty would have come up with. 
that Jordy LaForge would have come up with. So, yeah, the, the, the holographic doctor, Bolana Torres, uh, uh, every single member of that crew that didn't pull out their phaser and aim it at their captain for committing murder are culpable. And in a weird way, it's what Janeway absolutely needed to uh, create a situation where both the Maquis and the Federation crew now have equal blood on their hands and can unify as a crew. But that's so cynical and dark. And, uh, and, but I clearly believe that Captain Janeway is a very cynical, dark character. I might l l love certain things she does, but I can't deny the fact that she, she, is, she is very comfortable with doing predatorial things in a way that should scare um, the entire crew. Wow. Wow, that's great. The only episodes of, of uh, Voyager that I've seen have been the ones we've watched together. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing more of them uh, with that with that view. I'll keep that view in mind. I found her to be quite dark in this. So and and I think I said in the watch party chat, why is she being so mean? Why does she have that tone? And some people were saying that's just her. And I thought, oh, really? So so that's interesting. I am I am with you and um, uh, uh, fully. So I really I really uh, want to thank you for explaining explaining a lot of things that I couldn't actually put into words. T, do you have any response to that before we move on to Sean? No, I, I think I think Ryan's right. I uh, I think that she is predatory in that way, and I think that. Um, there's there there was no excuse for her for her unilateral decision making it's just it's simply in my opinion bad decision making and i'm really i'm really excited to hear from the rest of the crew because i'm reading the chat and i'm seeing a lot of dissent and i love that I'm, i know so let's move forward because i really <laughs> want to yeah it's great okay sean okay let me let me deliver this for you in this episode, Janeway acts unilaterally to separate Tuvix in the name of saving Tuvok and Neelix. Do you think she made the right choice? Do all lives matter or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? Thank you, Victoria. Um, this was a difficult decision, obviously. And you have to remember, we're not commenting on history here. We're commenting on a show and what the writers wanted us to see and experience and to mostly think about these tough decisions and difficult decisions because of technology and what is the meaning of life? When does it begin? What is personhood? When does that begin, etc. cetera? So, um, you know, it could have been brought out into a two-part series, absolutely. Uh, there could have been more drama where some members of the crew said, oh, this is not right, you can't do this. But I need you guys to think about something. This is a quasi-military ship. It's uh, under the um, Federation. It is not a democracy. People do not vote on these things. The captain has a large amount of responsibility. 
It's not up for discussion with tribunals and lawyers on either side, etc. They're out in the Delta Quadrant alone. They don't have, you know, they can't call into Starfleet and say, hey, what should we do about this weird thing that just happened, which hardly ever happens, but once in a great, great, great while, something happens with the transporter. So they are on their own. They have to make their own decision. Um, of course, Tuvix was an individual and he was sentient life and people were growing, uh, getting used to him and growing accustomed to him. But it's, you know, the Star Trek maxim that the good of the many outweigh the good of the few applies here. It's not fair to um, Neelix and Tuvok to be snuffed out because of an accident. I think if, you know, Janeway had their, uh, or the, the crew somehow could talk to um, uh, Tuvok's wife and children and say, hey, what should we do here? Do you want to, do you, you want a Tuvix or what do you want, you know? And, and even Cass was extremely happy to get back her, her Neelix. So I think it's, it's, it's a difficult decision. It's just like, you know, sending soldiers into battle where you know there's going to be a certain percentage of people that are going to die. And in this case, I think Janeway made a difficult but proper decision, saving two people and eliminating one person that was in integration, but was not the same as having two direct individuals for their families to love, you know, with the assumption that they would leave the Delta Quadrant and get back to the Federation someday, which they obviously do. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, um, so I think they, that Janeway made the right decision. I think it's harsh to say that she's a murderer. I think her, um, for Victoria, I need, you need to watch more episodes. She's not some terrible, evil person, even though sometimes her voice comes across that way. She makes a lot of difficult decisions over the years that they spent in the Delta Quadrant, as the writers wanted us to see. So again, remember, this is just a TV show. Don't freak out. Okay, I'll land my plane with that. Uh, you land your shuttlecraft. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, my shuttlecraft, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, thank you, Sean. And I knew that this was going to be... Um, uh, a fun discussion and uh and i don't want this part of the show to turn into the debate part if we have time later i'd like to get into to some of that because that goes into well how long is there a time when tuvix would have been on the ship for five years and then a new doctor found a cure would you then um agree that that he be separated when everybody has already grieved and gotten over Tuvox and and Tuvok and and Neelix. So hold hold that because I would really like to talk about that a little bit later. But thank you for your perspective on this. Uh, we'll move to Christy now, and uh, Christy, I'll put it to you. Do you think Janeway made the right choice in separating Tuvix? Do all lives matter, or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? Well, okay, so to be fair, I haven't I haven't actually watched the show, which is different, I think. I really do. I read the summary and a, a huge long summary that was obviously very and it talked about many many other things. It was the one that's on your on the site, on the Star Trek Sunday site. Um and I so so I did not get emotionally attached to um, 
Tuvix, whereas I have watched Voyager many times, not a ton, but enough. Right. I didn't get attached because I haven't seen because I, I didn't watch it. And I think watching it would have made me feel more attached. I believe that Janeway probably did make the right decision um, because she's trying to keep the crew together. And regardless of the fact that people did really like Tuvix, um, they there were several people. Well, Kess in particular, who was just torn apart by this whole thing. And she did not really warm up to Tuvix. And, and Neelix is the one that she loved. And, you know, it, what I think this is, is an exceptionally hard decision. And I think that, but, but I think that she did make the right decision because again, the, 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 lives of the many outweigh the lives of the few. And in, in this case, it was two and one. I really believe that you, Victoria, having never really watched very much of it, you didn't know or become that attached to Tuvok or Neelix because you don't know them. So um, I think that there's a big piece that you are missing because you haven't actually seen them. I, I think Sean and, and Christy are right to point out that Number one in this quasi-militaristic um, setting, decisions do fall upward, right? And when somebody's not qualified, it goes to the to the higher up rank. And in this case, it goes all the way to the top. And it is a decision that she ultimately has to make. And you're correct to point out number two that this is a decision regarding. The needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few or the one um and that that was you know ultimately the direction that she followed but i think a dark sh a, a dark shadow still crossed her face to at the very end you know and it was one of those things where um a, as hard as this decision was i still don't know that she really believed that she made the right decision and that was the dark shadow that crossed her face is that, you know, she hated doing this. She absolutely really liked and appreciated who Tuvix was and how they were different from Neelix and Tuvok and yet had to go this route because you're all, and it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's fair to say that somebody doesn't know someone because they i think you know people do have lots of experience with these characters in different settings and have seen other other episodes of them um especially the one where tuvok sings the children to sleep he's a very sweet character and somebody who i think we all can appreciate and neelix is just you know an incredibly likable person but you're right to point out that we do have to consider kess and we do have to consider um Tuvix's wife or Tuvok's wife, um, and so it's hard. It's it's one of those decisions. Like you know, I don't think I'm cut out for being a captain because I wouldn't make the right decision. But maybe you're right, and she did. Uh, thank you for that, T. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out um, was I'm looking at this. Although I was in the watch party and and. Tuvix was a new character and I, I really liked him, but I also liked the way the the character or the actor 
was portraying these other this mix of these two characters. Um, but I'm looking at this question philosophically as well, and and in the in the realm of of Star Trek. And one of the things that was said earlier was that they're on this mission to find new life and explore things. And this reminded me of the time that Riker turned down the chance to go play with Q and be Q. And there's, you know, opportunities here that they aren't exploring because of their own, um, well, nostalgia. <laughs> I, I did think that that was an appropriate thing to say, because when when all these people are on this ship, they know that they're risking their lives. They know that that something can come come about where they've lost their lives or a loved one. Um, and this is one of those things. And then this is what we have. And what an interesting thing to explore. So that isn't to defend my my position at all. Uh, it's just, it maybe it is in some way, but it's just something for you guys to think about as well about how they're they're not really exploring if they just want what they had, right? They want the status quo. Let's go back to normal. You know, I wonder. People could say Tuvok and Neelix would have wanted to live. Maybe, maybe they would have thought that this was interesting as well. Maybe they would have thought for Starfleet they would have sacrificed themselves to be able to figure out if this is something that can happen, and and what we would learn from it uh, about transporters as well as blended DNA. So. It's a, it's a huge uh, story. Moving on to Rachel. Do you think that Janeway made the right choice in separating Tuvix in the name of saving Tuvok and Neelix? And do all lives matter or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? At first, I was more inclined to be like, because the episode uh, when Tuvix is like, but I don't want to die. It like, it really, I really resonated with that. And was like, yeah, this this is not right. Like, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to do it. But then I was thinking about, like, if I was in the position of, uh, he has, uh, Tuvik has a family and a wife and children. And like, that's not fair to them that their dad's just gone. Like that, like that would be horrible. And like feeling, so then I saw their side, like, of course they would want to come back. They wouldn't want to just abandon their family for the sake of science, I don't think. But then also I, to answer, like, I guess Chrissy's was pointing out there's not, there weren't that many options, but I don't feel like they explored other options. I feel like they just landed upon this one and the captain was like, yeah, let's do it. I don't think they really devoted a lot of time to exploring alternate methods. And I also agree with T that they at least should have had some type of tribunal or some type of vote on it. But, and then also I was like, kind of agreed with what Ryan was saying where he was like, well, maybe you can clone him again and just split the new clone but then i'm like but doesn't that new clone have rights too like you can't just like it still doesn't answer the question if, if that's your solution to clone again and then just split the original clone that's still taking someone's life and then i think even though sean said it's just a show i feel like it has real world practical application because this could very well be in our future i mean they're already cloning animals like i think in the future there probably are people who are going to want to clone humans. And so it's like, we have to answer these questions in the world world, you know? Thank you. Yeah. And we'll be talking about um, cloning again uh, a bit later in the podcast. So thank you very much. 
Okay, I'm going to throw this to Gela, and uh, and then after Gela, we'll um, get T's response and then be able to uh, move on to the next episode. So, Gela, do you think that Janeway made the right choice when she separated Tuvix in the name of saving Tuvok and Neelix? And do all lives matter or only the original ones from which the hybrids are made? So I do think that she made the right decision. I also think that she was faced with pretty much an impossible position. And what this really reminded me of was Deanna um, practicing for the bridge officer's test when she finally had to you know, make the decision to order Jordy, or rather the holographic um, representation of Jordy, to his death. Um, I think that she does have to be, I mean, obviously she has the authority to make that, that decision, but I think that she has to be able to make those tough decisions um, without being second-guessed by the rest of the crew. The other thing is that I, I think that the question hinges less on, you know, everybody's feelings, but more upon um, whether we consider Tuvok and Neelix still alive. Are they still alive or are they dead? Because if they're dead, then yes, obviously the the hybrid is the, the only the only living piece of the puzzle. But if Tuvok and Neelix are still alive in a sense, then you know uh, Janeway has a responsibility to her crew, and yeah, they are working with limited resources out in the Delta Quadrant, um, and. You know, I, I I object to this characterization of Janeway as a uh, as a dark character. I think that she is an exceptionally soft-hearted person, and I think that she struggles sometimes to you know harden herself, which is what I read in her tone toward the end when she seemed to be really really cru- cruel. And I did see that shadow cross over her face after after it, because of course she was riddled with doubt. She did have to make a terrible decision. Of course, she's not happy about it. Um, But I do ultimately think it was the right decision because she had an opportunity to save her two crew members. And I think that that was ultimately what she was morally obligated to do. Thank you for that. Um, I'm I'm going to put this out there for you guys to consider. I don't want to answer right now. We'll get back to this um, after we've talked about the other things because I think these these topics do flow into each other. That's how T curates them. Uh, but something to think about is if the cure for the accident was found two years or five years later, would you still agree that she should make that decision? Because by that time, these people that you're concerned about, Kess and Tuvok's family, would have grieved. They might have moved on. So this goes to identity. Is a person dead when people say they're dead, right? Because they weren't really dead. You could see that they could be separated. Um, I If they didn't have a cure for years, people would have just considered that they're gone and this is a new thing. So at what point do you then say, oh, we've got this cure, but it's five years later. Do we bring them back from the from the dead, if you will? And then they've got it. Now Tuvok is here and his wife's moved on. Now Neelix is here and Kess has moved on, you know. So that's a, an interesting thing that I'd like to explore a little bit later in the show today. So uh, thank you all for your 
um, contributions. So this is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse, and our regular shows are are Sundays at 10 a.m. PST, and we're discussing the trouble with transporters today. So T, if you could give us a summary of Realm of Fear, the next episode we watched, that would be great. And then I have a couple of questions for you. Definitely. The Realm of Fear, The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 2, first aired on the 28th of September, 1992. In this episode, Barkley faces his fear of transporter technology, only to learn his fears are well-founded when he learns there are monsters hiding in the transporter beam who turn out to be crew members. I chose this episode because the idea of something being trapped inside the transporter beam is more than unusual, with the technology usually being safe to use. I thought it was an interesting example of how these types of technologies can end up with unexpected results. Yeah, absolutely. For me, this I really liked this one because I felt I felt really bad for Barkley. I have a soft spot for him and that actor in particular. Um, I did like how compassionate O'Brien was when he shared his own fear with Barkley. And it reminded me of how we all share our thoughts and feelings in this room in a little way. Uh, so as you said, in this episode, Barkley faces a fear of transporter technology, having avoided it his whole life. If we had transporter technology, would you be fearful of it or would you embrace it for traveling everywhere? You know, not if not if O'Brien was at the at the uh, the, the the panel, right? I think that because O'Brien, it's interesting that you bring up O'Brien because he has, you know, time and time again shown himself to be a very compassionate and heartful person. You know, I'm reminded of the time in which, you know, he sung with the admiral and who who was sort of going crazy and realized that, you know, he wasn't going to make it. Because uh, he had gone rogue, and in this one where you know he, he shares his his uh, his story with with Barkley, I think that if I had somebody who was that smart, I would use it to transport every time. But you know, it would be down to the tech. It would be a thing where, like you know, I don't trust this tech. I think I'm going to take the shuttle. You know, <laughs> I'm looking at his track record and going, I don't think this is a good idea. Right. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess it 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 is going to depend on uh, on the stats for sure. Uh, let's start at the uh, at the bottom of the stage, and I'll go to you, Rachel. If we had transporter technology, would you be embracing it? I don't know. I was actually thinking a lot about that. Like, <laughs> and I feel on one hand. Like I would, I would definitely embrace it, but I also wouldn't be the first, be one of the first, like to, like to actually volunteer to go like, Hey, I'll test this out. Like, I don't think I could, I don't think I have to, I don't think I could do that. Especially cause I think about my kids and if something goes wrong with me, like I have children, they need me. So I can't be just uh, sacrificing myself for science. But also one thing I thought about is I tend to get really anxious at, like kind of about a lot of things and people always want to be like, Oh, don't worry, it'll all work out. But I've been in situations like Barkley where I've worried incessantly about something and then it turns out my worry was was founded, you know? And so it's not always 
you can't always follow these cliches like, oh, you'll be okay, because you, you don't really know. You know, anything could happen. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I want to think that I would embrace it, but I, I'm just not sure. Um, I, I do worry about that as well. So I'll put this to you, Gela. If we had transporter technology now, would you be embracing it for travel? You know, I've thought about this a lot. Um, I really don't know because, you know, the big, the big, trouble with the transporter is well is it the same person who comes out on the other side because you know you're being disassembled one place and reassembled in another place i mean yeah what what gets reassembled it has all of your memories but is it you is it your your soul so to speak um and there's no way to answer that question and it's just it's just a very scary thought for me so i i really don't know Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that honest answer. Um, Steve has come to the stage. Thank you for coming up to the stage, Steve. I'll, I'll put this to you. And um, what do you think about transporter technology? If we had that, would you be embracing it now? Okay, so I certainly would embrace the technology. The real concern would be um, trying to use it for transportation. I don't like the idea of having to destroy one version of myself to remake myself somewhere else. Um, I would much sooner just simply create my clone of myself at a long distance and not destroy the original and um, then meet up in the middle if there's any, you know, need to. Ah, okay. And yeah, that... I, I think a fundamental part of this is just the matter of, of, the experience itself right this body is going to experience complete destruction which though i i do like in a lot of other human experiences that we come back from as being quite similar to death itself like that that actually is just kind of guaranteeing that that is a definite death in my experience on one part of the universe even if there is a new birth of myself on another part of the universe. Interesting that I had never thought of it as death and birth and um, that that was sort of something that aligns with what Gela had said. So very interesting. Okay. So we'll move to Christy. Um, Christy, what about you? What do you think about tele uh, transporter technology and would you be using it for travel? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I'm I'm kind of with Steve on on that that I would definitely embrace it in the sense that wow, that is so cool. And I'm not really sure. Like I'm just not. Uh, I don't know. I think um, I think it. I don't. I don't remember who it was that said um, she uh, she wouldn't want to be the first one to try. <laughs> because I, I definitely am there. Like if it was proven to be safe and it really worked and, and kind of like T said, if Jordy was at the helm, <laughs> then I would be more, definitely more willing to do it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there's a part of me that is a little bit scared of, of, of yeah, like what is, is it really going to be me that comes out at the other end? And it seems like it is in the way that they show it in um, 
in the Star Trek universe. And if it really worked that way and there were there were very few accidents, then I definitely would be embracing it. So I guess I I do feel like I, I would do it if it was if it wasn't the first time and it had been around for a while. But I think if but I think if it had just happened and like I was suddenly like tomorrow they figured out a way to do it, I would not be embracing it at that moment. So that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I just want to point out here um, how great all of you guys are with catching the theme because this isn't just about um, is there going to be an accident, right? Because we all take chances all the time in driving cars. It seems like the transporter uh, its rate of accident is much less than all of the risks that we take right now. But what I'm hearing from everybody is the theme of identity. And and I think that's what T was throwing down to all of you. So good job for picking it up. What do you think, T? Yeah, I think they got it right on because this isn't as simple as just getting on a, a jet airliner, which people do, or getting into a car, which people do, right? The accidents of those is you die you don't end up with the uh, identity problem fundamental identity problems right and so i i think that it's you know a, a very interesting challenge that that we're going to be you know uh, that we're potentially going to be presented with here um you know as as a as a human species as we advance our you know our understanding of things not necessarily with transporter technology um, but with, you know, representational technology, um, where we sort of, you know, move our, um, I don't, I, I don't want to say our consciousness, but our, our, you know, our sensory experience into a, a metaverse or a virtual world or something like that. Right. And how we identify there and, um, how that persists and how we, you know, can change that identity and how it relates to our identity and, and I think there's gonna, just gonna be a lot of challenges. So I really appreciate the crew, you know, picking up the theme and, and, and getting it right. So you guys are awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's just, it just, it, it blew my mind how much everybody was getting this. So uh, Sean, I'm gonna put this to you and Ryan and then um, and then we'll get T to introduce the, the final episode of the trio we had. So Sean, if we had transporter technology, would you be fearful of it or would you embrace it for traveling everywhere? Um, it's the, the question sort of seems like in the 1920s, we were starting to see airlines taking people places, even though the tickets were astronomical or like $10,000 in our currency. So only the really rich could afford it. But it's like you're asking a question back then, you know, would you, we have this new thing called airlines and aviation and airplanes, and now they can have passengers. Would you risk your life to go on one? Because there were some notable crashes and it was much, much more dangerous than it is now to fly. So the answer ultimately is I would, yes, I would embrace it based on statistical data showing how safe it was. Just like every time I get in a car, I figure I'm going to get to my destination more likely than not. Even on my motorcycle, I think that, by the way, uh, although it's less likely. So, yes, I would embrace it. Yes, it would be scary. Um, 
And um, the question is, you know, would you adopt this? It's not like it was a new technology at the time. It had been proven for a while. And yes, people could always point out to the bell curve, you know, tails on each end where there's weird accidents that happen and people merging and and uh, clone, being cloned and stuff like that. But it, people would be assured that that hardly ever happens. And it's basically the safest way of travel. And it would be much safer than taking a shuttlecraft. And with that, I land my shuttlecraft. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. And uh, Ryan, finally to you, if we had transporter technology, would you be fearful of it or would you embrace it for traveling everywhere? Well, so I have two answers. I've had this discussion with my wife and uh, uh, she feels like if I went through a transport transporter, uh, me, the real me, would have died and what came out the other end was a copy. And so I, I feel like if I did use this technology, m my fear is, is how my wife would look at me afterwards and I, I would be afraid that that would be the end of my marriage um, because that is a valid concern uh, that, that the person who I was died on the pad, was vaporized. And then a new person was reconstructed, but she wouldn't be a hundred percent sure it was me. It would be, it would be a different person, a different me. I'm of the mind that I would be okay with that because from my subjective perspective, continuity would not be broken, but I, it would ostensibly mean a new chapter in my life. Um, and Currently, I wouldn't want to give up what I have now for the convenience of that. And and to what Sean said, he's totally right. From like a statistical perspective, if it's safe, right? Okay. But but we, we do have to consider the interpersonal ramifications of this technology and how our parents or our children will look at us. Um, if everyone is on board with the idea great. But if just one person that you love is going to look at you like an imposter for the rest of time, I don't know. It's, it's, it, the convenience becomes less interesting. Um, on the other hand, I've had a deep interpersonal fantasy since I was about 14 or 15 to merge with another being and become a hyper being. Uh, being a hyper being has always interested me um, because I would experience this new thing, which was still me and him, her, them, they, uh, but also this third thing. And uh, there's, I've always wanted that level of connection to another human being. I don't know if I'm just saying that I'm really lonely, but I'm married, I have children, like I'm not lonely. But that idea of like merging with someone has always been intriguing. Oh, interesting. Oh, I think we're going to have to explore that a little bit more. So that's, like I would, I, if, if someone gave me the option, hey, you and this other person can stand on the pad together and you'll come out this third person, are you game? I'd be, depending on the person, I'd, I'd say yes. I, I think it's a very interesting question. Like um, what would happen? 
if we merged with our mates, right? And I, and I would love to explore that because um, in another episode, because I think that there is um, at least, you know, four or five or six more episodes, which I could think of, you know, in which the trouble with transporters pops up and, you know, this type of theme um, can emerge. I think it's a great theme. Yeah. And just one more note on this identity thing and not being the real you. It brings up something that both T and I mentioned yesterday. T brought up the ship of Theseus and I brought up how that was explored in a British comedy and in a, a skit called Trigger's Broom, in which the person says they've had the broom for 20 years. And they're like, wow, it's in really good shape. And he's like, yeah, I've had 70 new heads put on it and 40 new handles. And they're like, well, it's not the same broom. And he said, well, well, it is the same broom. Look at the picture, right? It's the same broom. I've had the same broom for 20 years. And um, I, I don't know, T, if you want to give a bit of a, a summary on the ship of Theseus, just because it, it's interesting and it kind of goes to the transporter issue. Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, classic philosophical problem in which a, the, a ship, the ship of Theseus, leaves the port and um, over time its uh, boards are replaced, it, it, it engages in battle and so its boards are replaced and it uh, docks at other ports and so its, you know, crew changes out, right? And it's not like a thing that happens over, you know, all at once, but over time, you know, different parts of the boat get replaced and different crew get replaced and it, this keeps on happening and happening until the entire ship and the crew itself is ultimately different right it's not the same boards it's not the same crew um, and then this ship returns to its original port and so the question can now be asked is this the same ship and one answer to that is yes it's the same ship because the identity travels with the behavior of the ship in exactly the same way that Kirk beaming down uh, his identity travels with him, right? Not because um, it's, uh, you know, it's contiguous parts, uh, um, um, but because it's, you know, this, the sensory exper exper experience is contiguous. Um, the other answer is no. Obviously, it's not the same ship because the uh, boards are different. You know, it, the crew is different. We're talking about something that is fundamentally different. It can't be the same ship because nothing about it is the same. And so to say that this, uh, this identity travels with it is absurd. To, it, it's absurd to not recognize the, uh, the fundamental nature of what it is that's being described, which is actually different. So uh, different answers to the, this question, you know, can, uh, can be argued for. And I think it's one of those really interesting philosophical questions, especially when you pose it in terms of, you know, somebody beaming down to the surface. I think it's the same thing is, you know, is this the same person or is this, you know, uh, is this fundamentally something different? Uh, Kirk 2.0, if you will, right? Right, yeah. And that, that brings up this other thought that came to my mind yesterday and, and in my discussion with my husband. 
And that was, he pointed out, he's a bit of a philosopher himself, and he pointed out that nothing is the same in him as it was 20 years ago or 25 years ago or when he was a child. And, um, and so that, it, it, that was interesting in that all of our cells are different. Sure, we have the same DNA, but we, we are really d- different people from who we were 25 years ago. And, um, and I guess the question is, if you're not, then what are you doing? Right, because we expect people to develop and change. So um, anyway, I'm just looking at the time here. Let's uh, let's move on to the third episode, and we can get back to the the whole thing of identity, and um, and probably a bit more Tuvix uh, in a, in a little bit. So let's move to um, second chances. Can you give us a a rundown on this episode, and then I'll put a question to you and then the rest of the audience. Definitely. Second Chances, The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 24, first aired on the 24th of May, 1993. In this episode, the crew of the Enterprise encounter a copy of Riker accidentally made by a transporter accident eight years ago when he was stranded on an abandoned planet. I chose this episode because it inverts the classic question about what happens when the original body is destroyed and asks the question, what if the original body isn't destroyed and continues on as a separate person? Thank you. Thank you. I I really enjoyed this this episode. And I'm starting to realize that I really like Rom Trek. And that is Star Trek romance episodes. And yes, yes, I came up with that today. And I will be using Rom Trek from now on. <laughs> so I hope you guys pick Brings it up. There's a whole new spicy angle to a- boldly go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Welcome to the stage, IO. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to put this question to you, T. In this episode, Commander Riker faces down himself as, well, let's just say, In this episode, Commander Will Riker faces down himself as Lieutenant Thomas Riker, who pursues his former flame, Deanna Troy, and Will ends up treating Thomas pretty rudely. If you had a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? And and here's a little twist to that. And what do you think your clone would use as a name? Oh, goodness, that's a hard one. I hadn't thought of the name thing, but I'm pretty sure if a clone and I uh, met up, we would just, you know, put put ourselves in a uh, b- behind closed doors and just be, you know, evil geniuses together and work that out, right? And, like, you know, if we were to, if we were to go out, it would not be you know it would not be obvious it would be subtle it would be you know we would dress different and do different things and and work out different um you know schemes to uh to to help each other out because we would just be schemy bastards together i think Uh, and um i i think that there uh he would have to call himself um r yeah, it would definitely be R. I don't know why, but it just feels right to me. Excellent. I love the idea of two evil geniuses together. 
<laughs> You'd be so excited to have a clone. You'd be like, look at this book I wrote about us. <laughs> we just we be double. I'd be doubly productive. It would just be awesome. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, we'd all need help. Um, well, let's let's move to Io. So, Io, if you had a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself, or would you be best friends? Uh, I think right now I would be upset with my past self because you see the mistakes that you make. So I would be just as harsh as Riker was, but not about career. I would be harsh about treating people the like how you treat people. Don't treat people like in a way that dehumanizes them or whatever. And I think in the heat of competition that often happens. So. Uh, just in reflecting, I would always be the the father I, that I never had, for example. So I'm not sure if we want to go there, but that's also something that I think of when I reflect on that episode. Well, actually, thank you. That, that actually uh, brings up what I was thinking about this. And so I'll just, I'll just share that and then I'll, I'll move to the top of the stage and we'll move through it again. And that is, for me, the cloning, here we had Riker, whose clone Thomas was on a ship. He didn't really have uh, another life that he led. So he didn't have the same development or mentors or any kind of trajectory that Will had. And so it's almost like we see ourselves eight years earlier. Now he might have learned stuff and, and written book or read books and, and all of that. But that was what the difficult thing was, you know, and is it when I asked the question, is it that this person has stayed where they are back then eight years ago, or have they gone on and, and lived their own life? Because I think I've gone through so much in the last eight years in self-development and therapy that my first thought about this was how I would want to be compassionate with that person. And I'd want them to be compassionate with me because I think that I needed more of that. And it would please me to be compassionate to myself in the form of somebody else because I find it easier to be compassionate with others than for me. Now, I might not get any of that because the clone is another person. But by practicing that compassion, I might heal some things in myself as well. So... You know, there were some people, and even Worf said he wouldn't get along with his with his clone because he's a, a difficult person to get along with, and uh, and sometimes I am too. But I, I think knowing that, I might know the tricks of the trade to get get me to like me. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was that was something I was thinking about: is compassion for oneself and and a chance for some healing. And, yeah, um, yeah. So just just to quickly finish off what I was uh, where I was going with that was I wish I had told myself to pursue love that much sooner, not to pursue career. But the older Riker told uh, Deanna that uh, hey, he's gonna pick career like I did because we're the same guy. So that was weird because I thought there would be a divergence if you had spent so much time differently evolving. So I didn't think there would have been a career thing. And so I kind of like left the episode like thinking, oh man, another rom-com Star Trek missed opportunity that could have been ongoing. But of course it would be like a, <laughs> a crazy variation of the Star Trek universe, perhaps one day with Dolly 9 or something. 
Right. And, and not to give anything away or to influence anybody, but that goes to identity as well. Because one of the things I was thinking about, and when I discussed this with my husband last night, because this, I was, I had a full day of Star Trek, trust me, was I think that there is something inside us that is sort of the core being. I'm not talking about soul, but just that is who we are when we reach adulthood and that there's not we can develop and we can learn new things we can change careers we can change spouses cities friends and all of that but there's something about us that will always be this there like i'll never not love puns I'll, my my sense of humor w has been the same since i was a child and and so i think that when riker said you know he is me he most likely will do the same thing i did I truly believed that and um, and thought, wow, good advice. Because at first I was like, oh, good for Deanna, right? And then I thought, ooh, yeah, I don't know. So that that's a question I'll ask for later because I do have a question for later about the the ROM of the ROM trek. But uh, let's talk about cloning a little bit more. Ryan, if you had a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? Oh, the world would would recoil at the things that we would come up with. Um, I think we'd be best friends. I think, um, I think that we would be the answer to the question that we asked at a very young age. I was an only child until I was 10. And then when my siblings came along, they, I mean, they didn't really resemble me and their, their behavior was different than me. Um, and I was so much older that it was hard for me to relate to them. Um, so having a clone of myself, like, would just be um, weird, wacky fun in a, in, a, in a strange way. Like, I think it'd be a lot of us just looking at each other, like cracking each other up and, and having similar ideas at the same time and having someone to talk about those ideas at any hour of the day. Like, I, I, would, I would take it as a positive experience. But again, I'm, I'm, I've always been more open to the idea of like mergers or multiplicities. Um, I, I think, I think me from eight years ago is close enough to me now that I think we'd be fine. And even if it was me from 20 years ago, it would actually be amazing because I've, I've been primarily a major caretaker in my family. So having the opportunity to be there for other members of my family, the wish, the way I wish I would, or someone would have been there for me, would be uh, quite an amazing full circle, uh, where taking care of my clone would be very fulfilling. Wow, that's uh, that's quite powerful. Yeah, I never even thought of the caretaking aspect. So, wow, great point. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Um, so I'm going to put this to Sean. I'm just looking at the time. Uh, we will continue this question and get back to Tuvix for sure. Um, but I'll, I'll ask this question to Sean. And then after that, T, if you'd like to give us a rundown of uh, what, what the announcement was earlier today, uh, and then let us know what's happening for the next couple of weeks, that would be great. Just a heads up. So Sean, if you had a copy of yourself, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? And what do you think your clone would use as a name? Uh, Sean of the living? No, um, Sean, uh, I don't know, Sean number two, Sean, 
Sean uh, Modern versus Sean Classic. I don't know. There's so many choices. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the, I only got the second question. What was your first question about the, the clone or the copy? Well, would you be at odds with yourself or would you be best friends? I think we'd be best friends. And I think we talk about things and I'd say, well, you know, you really screwed up, blah, blah, blah. And then the other person, the other clone of myself would say, yeah, but you really screwed up back then. And I'd say, you know what? You're right. You know me so well. And the other person would say, I know you know me just like like it was yourself. And that would be that. Ah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, we would know each other. So there wouldn't be any sort of secrets. So T, would you like to reannounce your announcement and then um, talk about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks as we're almost at the end of season one? Yes. Exciting, isn't it? Um, yeah because uh, I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Victoria and I have been hard at work and we're incredibly excited to announce our new website and our new merchandise line at StarTrekSundaysPodcast.com. We've got some incredible original Star Trek themed items, which we think you're going to love. Clothe yourself in the sign of LaForge, Quark, Twitter verified trusted businessman, unlimited data, Duras, his honor absent, the best part of waking up is drinking from a beaker as a cup. Obama-style Spock, I feel fine. And many other inside jokes only a Trekkie could appreciate. We also have a limited edition Women of Star Trek series to highlight the incredible women of Star Trek that have graced the series throughout the years. For our podcast listeners, you can use the code WARP10, that's W-A-R-P-1-0, to take 10% off your entire cart. So head on over to Star Trek Sundays podcast.com to stock up now and be sure to use code warp 10 to get 10% off your order and look out for more coupons on our website. If you sign up for the newsletter in the pop-up. Thank you, T. T, can you let us know what's happening in the next couple of weeks? Cause I think we're taking next weekend off so that you guys in the United States can do your Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Looking to December 4th, We've got Spies and Their Lies, which is a great uh, set, I think. Uh, starting with the original series, Enterprise Incident, followed by Face the Enemy and Arman Bashir uh, from Deep Space Nine. I really love Deep uh, this one from, uh, from Deep Space Nine about Bashir. And uh, I think it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's definitely a, hol a holodeck episode. After that, we're doing the 11th of December, with, did you see what they're wearing? Starting with Star Trek IV, The Undiscovered Country, a great movie. Friday's Child and The Way of the Warrior. And that is the end of the season. We're super excited about season two. We're going to be programming it in uh, December here, but we're going to take a little bit of a break. And look out for the rooms that pop up in um, Back to Blue and also Star Trek Sundays. I might host a um a uh, uh, warp core wednesdays or warp factor wednesdays on occasion um and i hope that steve can help us out with some great watch parties during that time but we're definitely looking forward to 2023 when we will be back with even more episodes and we'll uh, look forward to those announcements you can find them on our website star trek sundays podcast.com thank you t and 
I absolutely adore how much this format and this room has and the crew has embraced it and each other. So if and and the suggestions that you guys make are, are incredible. So if you do have a topic or an episode that you want us to include next year, please send us an email uh, or contact us through the website and we'll get it on the list. Because this is just, it's just so much fun. And there's so much, we have a huge list as well. But if there's something you want to talk about, then so do I, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm in. And, um, and Io just sent me a, a suggestion as well. So maybe we'll look at, at getting that in sooner rather than later. So thank you again. And, um, and I want to thank Steve for having the watch parties and their Saturdays at 12. He opens the room at 12 p.m. to help everybody get onto Discord to do some testing. And then the show, the, the watch party actually starts at 1 p.m. So if you're already set up on Discord and you've been there before, you can either come hang out for an hour first and chit chat or show up at one o'clock. And that's when the show starts. And uh, and then we talk about it in between on Clubhouse. And sometimes these uh, are shorter than others. But the last couple of weeks, we've had some really deep deep conversations where we've gone for a couple of hours including the the showtime so that's great that wraps up part one of the trouble with transporters we will share part two next sunday thank you for listening